Good morning, brothers and sisters of Mars Hill. The Lord be with you. Hey, if you're willing and able, would you stand to your feet? So I have to um, have to tell you in, in, a, in a way of kind of rolling the curtain back a little bit, tell you all some of the things that we talk about on the staff side. There's a group of us who are uh, pastors and liturgists, and from time to time we get together to talk about just that, the liturgy from start to end. And this past week we talked about the call to worship, and we... Uh, stumbled upon what we already knew was true, which is that in our gathering, the first word always comes from God, and then we respond. So here's here's what we'll do this morning. Uh, there's going to come up on our screens here a text. I want to invite us to read this silently and Imagine that it is instructing us, right? Because as worship leaders, we aren't the voice of God. Imagine that this is God calling us into an encounter. respond with this. Let's read together. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, the glory exalted. So we sing. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Wanna sing that again? Forever God is faithful. Forever God is faithful. God is with us forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Come on. His love endures forever. For He is good. He is above all things. His love endures Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing with a mighty hand, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. 
forever God is faithful. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Forever He's faithful. rising to the setting sun from the rising to his love his love endures forever and by the grace of God we will carry on his love endures sing praise sing praise sing praise oh we do is sing praise Forever God is faithful, yeah. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Forever He's faithful. Yeah. Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Little call and response here. His love endures forever, you say. His love endures forever. Yeah. His love endures forever. Let the nations know. His love endures forever. Oh, and every time his love endures forever. Come on. His love endures forever. Every circumstance is love endures forever you say his love endures forever sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise sing praise forever he's faithful direct forever you are faithful forever you are faithful we can count the ways forever you are strong we glad forever 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 There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're a living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen. 
Cause I've tasted and seen of the sweetest love where my heart becomes free and my shame is Acknowledge the presence of Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Let me experience. 
Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Come Good morning, Mars Hill. My name is Brian. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and I want to pray through uh, part of Psalm 63 this morning, and if you're reading along with us, we have a Bible reading plan that you can find on the app or online, and this was one of the texts for today. So I'm going to read over this and then uh, respond in prayer, and um, just want to invite you to think about uh, the words of this psalm. One of the things I love about Scripture is that it can express things for us that we may not have the words for. So uh, would you join me in the reading of this text and then responding in prayer? You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So Lord, we desire to be a people marked by our hunger and desire and pursuit of your presence. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our longing for you. We lift our hands and praise you, mighty, holy, loving God. Meet us in our praise. We cling to you and your promises. You uphold us, Lord. May we tangibly feel your nearness and your love. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.
kingdom will come in us as we long for some uh, kind of physical signs in this earth I pray that internally we are experiencing your presence experiencing heaven kingdom and for all of those who wait and long to see you God I pray that you would give us eyes to see that you are ever present with us In every situation, God, you can be found. 
And so, God, we acknowledge that. And our prayer uh, for the rest of this gathering is that you would open our eyes to see what you would want to show us and open our ears to hear the words that you would want to give to us. Thank you for your presence here. God, it is, it, without your presence, none of this means anything. And so thank you that we don't gather together and shout into the spaces. But we sing and we ascribe worth to a holy God who is present amongst his people. Thank you for that truth. Thank you that that's something that we can stand on. It's our prayer Thanksgiving. In Christ's name. And amen. Have your seats. Sorry, I stole the thunder, Brian. So everyone have a seat except for kids. If you are headed to Mars Hill Kids, now is your time to go. So head out to these doors. I see Mr. Chad over there to welcome you, and, and we bless you on your way. And as the kids are heading out, just a couple of announcements of things that are happening in our community. Uh, the first is a short circle coming up that I have the privilege of leading that'll be kicking off at the beginning of November. Uh, we're going to be walking through the prayer course, and I think this is some really, really helpful content for those who are looking for a new way to engage with and dive into prayer. Um, personally, I think that prayer is one of the most important disciplines we can engage in to grow in our relationship with God and in Christ-likeness. So if if you're seeking to learn more, to be equipped, uh, to just have a space and time set aside for a few weeks to practice prayer, that's what this is meant to be. So I would love it if you would join me. We're going to be meeting on Wednesday evenings, and you can find more information at marshill.org groups and classes, and also sign up there. And feel free to grab me if you have any questions after the gathering this morning as well. Um, I would love to talk to any of you about prayer, so uh, please join us for that. Uh, second is our trunk or treat that we are partnering again with the King Park neighbors for. We did this last year, had a really wonderful time. We're going to be doing this again. So if that's something you want to participate in, you can just show up and trick or treat. You can host a trunk. You can donate things like candy or non-candy items like uh, Play-Doh and glow sticks and tattoos, all of that fun stuff. So to find out more information, you can check out marshill.org slash events or just show up. It's the night of Halloween, October 31st first, would love to see you all there. And then finally, uh, Bundle Up Burton. So this is something you've heard about uh, the last few weeks we've been talking about. We've been partnering with Burton Elementary for years to provide winter gear, uh, coats, hats, mittens, all of those things. Uh, we are a little bit short of what our goal is. We still are about 200 coats short of where we'd like to be. So you can go and donate through the end of the month at marshill.org slash bundleupburton. Would love to have you partner with us so that we can bless that community in that way. And now if you would like to join us in uh, the other work that we are doing here in West Michigan and around the world by giving financially, you can give to the joy boxes around the back of the room or online at marcel.org slash give. And now if you would stand and share the peace of Christ with one another and allow me to be the first to do so, may the peace of Christ be with you.
rough days.
There's a lot of peace being passed around. Peace on earth. Peace in the shed. Piece of pizza. Hill. Our um, teaching text today comes from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. It's found on page 1098 of the Blue Shed Bible, if you'd like to follow along. 1 Timothy 4, 9 through 16. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which is, was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. May I never lose the wonder, oh, the wonder of your mercy. May I sing your hallelujah, hallelujah, If we haven't met, my name is Tim. It is good to be with you. And while we don't have a guitar present on stage today, who has attempted at some point to learn guitar? You are not alone. There's a lot of hands. Now, if you remember, what was the first chord that you attempted to learn with those fragile fingers? G, C, that's, wow, who was your teacher? That's tough, that's a stretch. Mine was the chord D, because 
You can play free falling with just minor manipulations of this thing. And I wanted to be really good, really quick. Or at least want the girls at the high school campfire to think I was really good, really quick. And so a, a friend at church, a friend of my parents, his name was Dale, he heard that my parents, Chris and Judy, had a son that played guitar. And so he asked me one time after church, he was a, he was a lead, leader in our worship band, and he's like, young man, do you play guitar? And I was like, yes, I do. And he's like, would you like to play with us on Sunday sometimes? And I said, yes, I would. So we get there on my first Sunday in front of the church. I got, by this time I had, I could play part of a G chord and an E minor. And so I knew uh, like 90% of 90s praise songs. I was getting there. And so we were there, we're playing and I, but I was real fresh on this guitar thing. And we're, I got most of Shine Jesus Shine and Shout to the North, I was a solid 90% on this thing. And after the service, and well, the rest of the time, I kinda just did this and kept my right hand moving. And after the service, our pastor came up to me and he said, Timothy, it's so good to see you up there. I said, thanks. He's like, you know, if you really wanna pursue this worship leader thing, you'll have to practice. And I was like, well, can you play Free Fallen? I don't know. And I had to practice a lot. But I did not want to, because I wanted people to think I was really good right away. And so is the temptation for anybody starting anything. And actually, for those of us who are way down the road in some things too, to pretend rather than to pursue and practice. And we see that a little bit in our text today. So let's jump right in. If, if you heard Lori read, she mentioned that uh, it is in our Shed Bible. So if you're someone who wants something in front of you, please grab that. We're going to do our best to have the text on the screen today. It's on 1098, not the tax form, the page. That is a tax form, right? Okay, all right. I do taxes too. No, I don't, actually. I've already said I do more than I think I do. I don't do taxes. Okay. So let's jump right in. This is, remember, the letter the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, this young pastor in the church in Ephesus, and he's giving him some advice and encouraging him in how to lead and follow Jesus. And he starts this. This is in verse 9. It's the beginning of our text. You'll see it on the screen. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That's why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But I agree with Paul that it's a trustworthy saying. This just almost goes without saying, because what we are doing in this place presupposes that the Holy Spirit is active and alive. And we who have put our trust in the living God, that God is going to move us through what lies ahead. And so if you want to look into more of what it means to be a people, to be a person who relies on the Holy Spirit, look at Ashley's teaching from last week. It's really great and accessible. Just go on our website and check that out. What does it mean to be a people who are in step with the Holy Spirit? And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. He's like, we know this is true, and to, to go where you need to go, where we're going to go in these next two paragraphs, you need to know that your hope is not in yourself, but is in the living God. And the Spirit has given you the power you need to move ahead and lead. So, then he continues. And this is where the text gets a little more personal. It's verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you 
because you're young. But set an example. We get five things here. In speech, conduct, and love, and faith, and purity. Timothy's a young dude. He's, they think he's probably 30-ish. In a culture where priestly or pastoral religious leadership usually was something that was taken on in the public setting at age 40. So he's already like, I, I don't know if I can do this, I would imagine. And since a young age, he has been called and he's seen this leadership play out, but he is young. And Paul explicitly says, don't let anybody look down on you for this. And so for us, I, I, if you're sitting here and there's a disqualifier, par- disqualifier, particularly age, that burdens you when you think about participating and leading. Maybe this is an invitation to set that aside. So if you're a young person, we need you in this church. We need you to lead. We need your ideas. We need your voice, your creativity, and your questions. They make us more true followers of Jesus as a body. Or if you're saying, you know what, that, leave that to the young people. I think it's fair to say, let's flip this and say, don't count yourself out. We need you in leadership spaces too. And this is building up, and Timothy's, I think, nodding his head and be like, okay, I know I'm young. I can do this. And he says, set an example in these five things, in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Now, he doesn't say things like set an example in excellence or social media followers or charisma. Again, pointing, say, these are the things that matter. It's easy to disqualify ourselves. I'm not, I don't have this many followers or I can't speak in front of people. I can't do this. I can't do that. But what seems to matter the most are these things, speech, how we speak, how we talk, Is it gracious and wholesome in our conduct, how we are together, in our love, in faith and in purity? These are things that are accessible to all people. So you are invited to to lead. We'll continue on this next section here. It starts with verse 14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through the prophecy of the body of elders who laid their hands on you. There's a gifting here. What's interesting though, is that Paul doesn't say what this gift is. Maybe Timothy knows, but we're not to neglect it. Oftentimes we can be those folks who are like, I'm really good at that, but I don't really wanna let that shine too much. There's kind of a false humility that pervades our area a little bit. And I think this may be a challenge to say, if you have been given a gift, by God, let it free. Again, Timothy seems to be kind of timid, kind of hesitant. Like, is this, is this church for me? Will they accept my leadership? Am I really gifted? And Paul is continuing to say, you are called. You are gifted. Don't count yourself out by your age. You are invited to lead. And I think that is a fair thing to extend to our community and say, you are invited to lead and grow. 
And don't neglect the gift. Maybe it's something that has a story of shame attached to it for you, or you try, well, the one time you tried to step out and say, you know what, I do pray and receive words of knowledge from the Spirit. I do think I'm called to maybe sing, or to pray, or to walk with people, or open my home in hospitality. And maybe the one or two times that it came out, it was not accepted. It was shut down. And I'm sure there are a thousand times when Timothy has tried to use this gift and it has not gone as he expected. And Paul is yet saying, there's room and you are invited. Don't neglect it. Let's make space for it in the community. So hear that word of encouragement. And here's where I think things get even more interesting. So we're going to spend the majority of our time today. Verse 15. I imagine Timothy hearing these things and being like, yeah, okay. Good challenge. Good encouragement. Verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I was tracking until he says, so that everyone may see your progress. I don't want people to see my progress. I want to be really good at guitar right away. And that's the culture we live in, right? I don't know how many people started baking pies and sourdough bread over the last couple years. We don't get posts on Instagram of the mistakes. We get, look at this beautiful thing. I don't want anybody to see my progress. Because that means it's, it's really vulnerable, isn't it? To have somebody see you mature and grow. I don't think any of us joined a sports team and said, you know what, they can keep the MVP award. I want most improved player. That's really what I'm going for. It's a great award, but you'd probably rather be the MVP. And so what's happening here is Paul is saying that somehow a, a lot is riding on other people seeing your progress and your growth. He says this, uh, so everybody see your progress. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Notice that progress here is not perfection. He is not calling Timothy to be perfect right away. Our first enemy of progress and people seeing it is the idea that perfection is possible and quickly at that. It is not. We've been good at hand raising. Perfect people, raise your hands. Okay. Perfect guitar players, raise your hands. Okay, they're not here. So now we got that out of the way. Perfection is not what Paul is talking about. There's a progress, a process. There is a journey that he's inviting Timothy on to continue on that is to be done in front of other people. And that's really where I balk too and say, that's, that's not for me. I'd rather put, put the progress out there when I've already made it, right? But us moving forward and having progress in something is a pursuit of something as well, something we go after. It's something that we actually can't pretend our way into. So this is the challenge that Timothy has set set before him. Are you gonna be someone, are you gonna be a leader who is someone who pretends like they have it all together, 
pretends like they have arrived, or are you going to have the pursuit of something in front of you? Are you going to pursue progress with other people, where other people can see you fail? That's the question that we're left with. So not only Timothy, but then church. As we follow Jesus, will you pursue or will you pretend? Are you going to be on the journey of progress or you pretend like you have arrived to perfection? And while this sounds extreme, I think there are two distinct pathways, to add another word that starts with P in there, two distinct pathways. What will you take? Because one is safe, and one is risky. And if I were Timothy, it would be very tempting to pretend like I really knew what I was doing. Paul's far away. He doesn't have cameras. Ephesus was not live streaming at the time. He didn't know what Timothy's leadership looked like. It would be a while. So it would be easy for him to fall sway to pretending like he's really got it. It would be a big challenge to live vulnerably in front of people. You see, priests of that day, not the, not the Jewish priests in the same way, although they lived, if you look at a map of Jerusalem, uh, the chief priests lived in a separate place from the people who they led worship for. And so there's already a paradigm in the, in the Jewish world for priests over here and the people over here, so you don't have to let people see your progress. Even more so, the professional priests in the temple of Artemis and the other gods lived totally separately from the people who came to worship at the temple. So Timothy is seeing this historical paradigm and he's saying, I w I'd rather be like that. They just zoom in and do their thing and people think they know what they're doing. And how many of us do that in our professional and even social spaces? We kind of zoom in, we do our thing to as best of perfection as we can, pretend like we have it all together and then we, we zoom back out to home which is isolated from somewhere else or another safe space. And the invitation that Timothy has here, and I think it is for us too as we learn to navigate life and community together, is to let other people see the progress and the process, to let us see the pursuit of Jesus together rather than in isolation. And it's way harder to do that. Because I think we have to continue to make choices. To pursue the way of Jesus, to pursue growth and process for the sake of the world, or to pretend. Let's look at these side by side a little bit. Pursuing is actually vulnerable. Pursuing progress in Jesus means you really need to say, I, I'm struggling. Versus, uh, instead of vulnerability, a phonerability. I think I was like 30-something when I realized that wasn't Foxnerability. I'm not French. It means fake. So, phonerability. We've seen this too. Somebody lets you into their life a little bit, or like you, you see it on social media, like messy house, messy hair, don't care. Right? A little bit like kind of like, I'm not perfect, but it's real controlled. Or maybe someone who's just saying, oh, this part of my life is just falling apart, but it's really not telling you what's really going on inside. It's easy to pretend there too. But the risk in pursuing Jesus and letting others see your progress is to be truly vulnerable. Not just word vomit in front of anybody who will listen, but with a few close people who you're following Jesus with together to say, this is really what's going on. It also forces you into true humility instead of false humility, faux humility. 
whatever. But to say we need to actually be humbled in the process of our progress. When people see you, it is humiliating. I've given messages on stages that I don't really want to look back on, and people saw them and heard them. We've all had those places where we are growing and inching our way forward, and there is a humiliating part of that growth. And that's where God works, because we get this in 2 Corinthians 12, that Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. And in this upside-down kingdom that we're pursuing here, it's as if the more times we show up in weakness and humility, God's power is on display even more through those stories. Pursuing Jesus in process is risky, and it's controlling when we're simply pretending to control the narrative, to say, I'm going to let a little bit out here, but I'm going to control this whole story, is different than living and showing up vulnerably in the world and saying, this is who I am, following Jesus with these faults. That's actually risky. And we are actually able, as followers of Jesus, to take the risk in doing that, which is different. It's a different way than simply reading enough books or TED Talks on vulnerability, as good as they are, to show up and say, it's actually risky to do this with people because we get hurt. We've had enough hand raising, but I'm sure there are a number of us who said, yeah, I, I did that. I tried living risky with people in the church and I got hurt. I'm sorry. And we, we, we may get hurt again. But the difference here in a Christian pursuit versus pretend vulnerability is that we can show up without a plan B because the plan B is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we put our hope in. As Paul began saying, we put our hope in the living God. And so it may not be the most comfortable of roads, but we have the promise and hope of resurrection so we can show up into risky places, relationally and physically. We're going to go and do this work and follow Jesus in places because we know that there is the resurrection power behind us. It's a thing that serves the world. It's not self-serving. And when we are pursuing and being in process with the Lord, it's a freeing act rather than something that's entrapping. For any of us who pretend in various spaces to be good at something, competent at something, uh, more holy, have different behavior or speech, if, those places where we pretend, we begin to have to control the narrative, who sees what and when and how. And it entraps us in ever-enclosing walls that are hard to break out of. And when we, friends, instead choose the way of being in process in front of people to pursue Jesus, it is a freeing thing. Maybe there's a space in front of you now that you're imagining. I can, I can only imagine coming clean here, and it sounds so freeing versus the entrapment I feel in this area of life currently or in this relationship or this habit or this thing. And that's the choice that's put before Timothy, to live a life in pursuit of Jesus, to live a life that other people get to see your progress in the midst of and can do that because the resurrection of Christ is our hope, companionship with the living 
God. And so I think the question for us this morning is a simple one. Where is one area where you can stop pretending? And because we have hope in the living God, where you can instead begin to pursue God. Is there one space in your life this week where you can say, I need to invite somebody into that so they can see my progress and where I can stop pretending that I have this all together? And we're not talking about I'm really not that great at making PowerPoint slides. You know, Frank makes them for me before my big presentation at the office. We're not talking about simple behavior modification here. There are places and spaces where we are hiding and pretending in relationships, in marriages, in jobs, things that really matter. And maybe it's something between you and the Lord where you feel like I'm just, I I have not brought this up before God because that's not happening. And I encourage you, I think this text invites us to consider, is there some place this week where you can invite the presence of others into the progress you need to make? If you're someone who needs to write that down or send a text, I encourage you to do that. Where will you step out of pretending today? The stakes seem to be high for Timothy because in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This isn't to create some sort of sense of fear that people's eternal salvation is caught up on Timothy's daily decisions. The the sovereignty of God is far larger than that in this text. But to say the ability for people in your community to live into eternity now into the kingdom of God hinges on these things in some fashion. That what you do matters that the places where we stop pretending and invite in other people, they matter. So where is that place for you where you can show up and say, this is where I am. See my progress and process so that we can follow Jesus together and stop pretending and controlling. I'm amazed that Jesus is the one who never pretends. John chapter 18, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. A few chapters later, it'll be Peter who's asked, are you a follower of Jesus? And he's like, no, wrong guy. But instead of pretending, Jesus in the garden, when he's approached with Judas and this this troop of soldiers coming to arrest him, and he knows that death is imminent. And they say, "Are, are you he? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he could have said anything, but instead he says, I am he. And the text says that people were pushed down, cast to the ground with the power of his statement saying, that is me. In the face of death, I will pretend to be no other. And so I wonder, friends, what power comes out of you through the power of the Holy Spirit and this church as a people who are able to say, I'm done pretending and I am here pursuing Jesus. So where might that be for you? And we do that not on our own strength, but as the text tells us in the beginning, we do that because our hope is in the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, and we lean into that promise together. It's a simple invitation that is also not easy. And so would the Spirit of God be in you and upon you to take hold of that and step into freedom and authentic community this week and to encourage us 
and to nourish us, we have a meal before us of the one who has done this and continues to show us the way of resurrection in the face in the face of brokenness, in the face of sin, in the face of hiding, to show us a better way. And it starts with this promise. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we pray, Lord, how right and good a thing it is at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so, God, we pray that you would send your spirit upon these elements at these tables and also upon the souls of we who gather. That you would make of us and make of this meal something we could not do for ourselves, that it would be the communion of the body of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so it was this Jesus who after, who after the meal with his disciples, he takes the bread and he breaks it. He says, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he takes the cup. He pours and he says, this is the new promise, the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so we do. We gather to be changed and filled and renewed We have spaces around the room, four different places where we have uh, gluten-free elements. We have places where you can pray. Our prayer team would love to pray with you in the back over here or over here. If there's a place that you have been pretending even for a really long time, and it would be good to get that out and find some freedom, we would love to pray with you, talk with you, know that our staff will pray with you, any of the things that are put in the prayer walls. Invite you to do that virtually as well online. And so come. Take and eat something real and be filled and invited again into freedom. Come and partake, friends, for all things are now ready. And we rehearse the story together in this meal. We say this, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So come and take and eat and be filled.
Sing Amen. Thank you for leading us this morning. So friends, as we prepare to depart from this place together, to live a life marked by the pursuit of Christ, let me read some words from Hebrews 13 over us to send us. And may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as you go to love and serve the Lord and be a Jesus people for the sake of the world, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.